Welcome to your off-week content from the Gimme the Loot podcast, the Dungeons & Dragons 5th edition actual play podcast that's bringing back off-week content at last, at long last. And hey, what a great one to start back with. This is the audio from our live stream with Drew Coons from the First Watch TTRPG show and podcast. Drew's a filmmaker by day, and you can really see that in the production of the videos that they put forward on their YouTube channel. If you want to just do the audio-only format, they've got that. Check out the show notes for shortcuts to all of that. And hey, while you're checking out Drew's stuff, be sure to check out his newest project, a little podcast called Quantum Reactor. It is a sci-fi movie I don't know. Review is probably a little bit too simple. It's definitely more sophisticated than that. It involves Drew and friend of the show, Jeremy Cobb from Three Black Halflings, as they play two individuals at the edge of a black hole, evaluating sci-fi movies in that setting. I've listened to the first couple of episodes. I already really dig it. Highly recommend you get over there and check it out. Again, link in the show notes below. Remember, there's no better way to show the people who are generous with their time to come on and collaborate with us. Uh, No better way to say thank you than to support their content by checking it out and listening to it. But, you know, it always helps to go the extra mile. You know, leave them a review, give them some stars, recommend it to your friends, spread the word. The same stuff that we ask that you do for us on the main week podcast episodes, we always ask you to do for the guests on the off week episodes. Because, man, that word of mouth and That feedback is such a huge help to helping a new show grow. So let's get over there. Let's support Drew. Let's support Jacob, especially to say thank you for an upcoming cameo in the very next episode that we release, Gasp. Now, a couple reminders, because it's been a minute on these. The off-week content is usually a rebroadcast of our live stream content. And hey, to guilt y'all again, we live stream Monday, 7.30 Central Standard Time. a lot more of y'all listen to this than show up for that stream. So, you know, maybe maybe go check it out. Um, we don't do like a three-hour actual play. It's more stuff like this, where we sit down with somebody from the community and talk about uh, their shows and, or their origins with D&D or their projects. We, you know, we sat down with Ron Ogden from the Dungeon Run this year. We sat down with Drew. Linda Codega is coming up. So be sure to hit us up on twitch.tv forward slash GMDLcast and give us a follow. Again, link in the show notes below. I don't expect y'all to write this stuff down. I don't write it down. That's what the typey types are for. So clickety-click on the clankety-clank. I've gotten about as far as I can with that. So anyway, back on point. Uh, Since this is audio from a live stream, it'll be a little bit less edited than our podcast content. A few more clicks, clacks, ahs, ums, oohs, and ahs. But the conversations are always fun and great, and it's a good opportunity to learn more about the community and other shows besides ours. And then, of course, Gimme the Loot is not a family-friendly show due to a mix of profanity, crude humor, and gore. But, you know, uh, there's a little bit less gore on the live stream. 
Keep your eyes on the feed for a Zuide mini prequel this week because that will come out in advance of the campaign episode next week. And uh, hey, as always, we appreciate your time. We appreciate your support. Hope you have a great week and hope you enjoy the show. Boom! Sneak attack. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Guest Quest, the TTRPG community interview stream brought to you by the Gimme to Loop podcast. The Dungeons & Dragons 5th Edition Actual Play Podcast that remembered all of the intro this time. Uh, my name's Turner. Uh, I will uh, be taking us around the horn here with the crew tonight as we talk to Drew Coons from the First Watch Podcast and Stream. Um, Drew, how you doing tonight? I'm doing great. Excited to be here with everybody. Fantastic, man. Well, we appreciate you joining us. Uh, we, uh, right after, I think it was PAX, uh, PAX Unplugged. Uh, Jeremy Cobb reached out and was like, hey, man, uh, Drew's a really solid guy. He would love to come on and talk about his show. And how could we say no? So uh, we are we're super glad to have you join us to talk about uh, your stream and, and D&D. Uh, you know, the very, very calm and measured and blasé world of actual play. Nothing exciting has happened with, there. With zero, zero controversy. Zero uh, controversy. Joining us tonight to talk to Drew are... <laughs> Tori. Tori. <laughs> I, I, okay. To be fair. <laughs> one, I'm new. Yeah. I will keep using yeah. that until my character is even on the show. And two, I just got a stream deck and I just figured out the mute button, but I put it right next to the tweet oh, oh, very nice. button, the button that I click and it just sends out a tweet and I needed to make sure I didn't do that. <laughs> I need to see if, uh, if our boy Meeseeks actually put, uh, we just had, we just converted our discord over to community server and added Meeseeks and uh, from a straight Patreon uh, server and um, I'm still figuring out exactly what all the buttons do. Um so, uh, so okay. Uh, in addition to Tori, who's in, you know missing an intro is very fastly becoming a bit. It's me. I'm I'm Harlan, and I play <laughs> Todd on the Give Me the Loop podcast. You know what I think? Every, every so. time you do the "It's Me," I think of fucking me. Uh, 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 Anola Holmes and uh, the girl <laughs> who plays Eleven. Uh, what's her name? Every, somebody mm -hmm. quick. Give me, give me, uh, Eleven's, uh, uh, the actress, B Millie Billy Bobby Brown, Jordan, Billy, so, Millie Bobby Brown. Yeah. M Millie Bobby. Okay. Brown, we're yes. just going to move on because none of that was right. Uh, up next bunch of dads. That is right. Millie Bobby Brown. Yes. That's right. That's her name. Yes. Millie Bobby that's Brown. Right. You thought I made that up? <laughs> yeah. it, it actually does sound like you made that up. <laughs> you guys checked your swings from Billie Eilish. Like you all went. Billy Eilish, no Brown, Billy Bob Thornton, like it got weird. So, uh, <laughs> up next, oh, it's me, it's oh, Jamie. Uh, I play Eldrin. <laughs> 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 uh, sorry, it's been a bit since I did one of these. Uh, I don't think I've been on stream all month. So. Yeah, it's been like two weeks. Uh, and take us home, Anthony. And I'm Anthony, who is plays Baba Tunde on the Give Me the Loop podcast, <laughs> and I've never missed an intro. That's true, um, <laughs> but you are coming in with a pretty low bar. Um, so the, the, uh, 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 so, uh, we rolled initiative backstage, uh, everybody, the question order will be Anthony Harland, Jamie Torrey, uh, remember, uh, question, ask single question. If you have a follow-up bonus action, if you have a follow-up to somebody else's question reaction, you're absolutely, uh, uh, able to grab, uh, questions from the chat at any time as a resource. So everybody who's out there in the chat, uh, hop on, get the questions for the crew. 
and then uh, I will lead us off to make it easy for everybody. So, Drew, uh, you guys just started your second season uh, for the first watch. Do you guys um, uh, primarily stream and rebroadcast as a podcast or primarily broadcast that you stream the recordings of? Yeah, so we pre-record everything. And then um, we don't, I guess we don't technically stream per se. Uh, sometimes we do like YouTube premieres and stuff, but mostly everything just goes up on YouTube and then podcast channels. Um, and we've been doing the pre-recorded thing since the inception of the show, because at the very, very beginning, pre-COVID, yeah. we were like, a, we were going for like a three, four camera set. Oh, okay. Um, we were filming it in my living room and we were kind of taking that approach, a little bit more of a relics and rarities, dimension 20 type feel. Yeah. Um, just in my living room, so low budget. Um and then, yeah, we've just kind of kept that that format as we've switched over to webcams and, and doing everything virtually because of the pandemic. But then now we have a cast all the way across the country and even international because we have someone from Canada. So yeah. uh, webcams is the way to go. Yeah. The um, So you guys are, but you would say probably then that, but you're more primarily video than audio necessarily. Yeah. You do, you do the podcast piece but the video is. Yeah. The podcast is really just ripped, ripping the audio from the video. So um, our little intro kind of nods to that and says, you know, for the full experience, you know, right. go check out our YouTube channel. Yeah. Cause we're the inverse for the podcast content. And then for this content, like, like this will get rebroadcast yeah. out in our main podcast theme, which is really where the majority of our audience is. Um, we just do this to because we get to meet some really cool people with it. Um, and I mean, it's stuff that I have to edit much less. All right. Uh, going into initiative order, Anthony, you're up. All right. So looking kind of at your uh, YouTube and I did, I did a little um, uh, kind of searching through the YouTube and I noticed that like you have kind of these different like um, like you have Wasteland and the Inn and then uh, the Knights of uh, Keisha and or if I'm saying that right. The picture wasn't fully formed in my computer. But um, yeah, so like, are those different arcs of same season or like, how does that work? How do those? Uh, yeah, work? I think in hindsight, I would have cleaned up some of the naming conventions a little more to not make it confusing because we were just kind of rolling with okay. whatever felt right. But um, mm -hmm. our first campaign, we broke into three arcs um, called Realm Shield, Wasteland, and... Um, uh, why am I blanking on the last one? I'll remember it here in a minute. <laughs> but uh, that was kind of our first campaign. And then we had all these spinoff things. So whether it was a one shot or a mini camp, like a three session thing or whatnot. And we gave all those cool names. The, the concept of the show is that it's genre driven. Mm -hmm. So even though it's all set in the same world, if we're spinning off into another, you know, miniseries we're picking like a movie mm -hmm. genre to go off of whether that's action adventure whether that's horror whether that's cozy hallmark you know mm -hmm. type things and so each one of those has a different um a different feel plane break that's the name of the third arc of the first <laughs> season <laughs> okay cool harlan you know what's what's actually funny is that question of all the questions you could have asked that was actually one of the, the first question I was going to ask Anthony just said, because I was looking at an interview that you did and you explained how easy it is for someone to just walk in to um, you, you, you explain a good point to come in. And I was wondering, well, that must mean you're not doing full campaign arcs like you break them up. You called it one season, but in, in between, I guess you do break them up into like three parters and things like that. And uh, that, that was actually my first question. Um, next, I guess my other question now, since that was taken. Okay, can we just, hold on, I'm going to interrupt for a second here. Can we just, like, the, this whole format exists now. So you guys would stop yes. saying, I took your question. You it don't is. get this to go so crazy and say the guy in initiative order question. prior to you took your question. 
we we're, I had one. We're question. We're doing this complicated that was ass shit now because y'all kept pulling that. So no, no, no. You just, no, you just like, that's crazy. I just all I mentioned was that it was crazy. I have a follow up question, a backup okay. question, because right. I'm prepared. Yeah. You know, this is an hour long stream, so you're going to do more than the Listen, one. Is I was saying. going into my next okay. question right. to you, interject. Right. I was going to kill that minion, but then Anthony did it first. There you go. There you go. Interview. Um, I saw that you was wearing these uh very blue glasses, and I couldn't get I couldn't get through to it. I was like, those glasses are very blue, and I was expecting <laughs> to see them today, but I see the red glasses. Is that a Pokemon thing? Because I'm seeing the Pokemon in the background. I see the red and then the blue. You know, That's- I years ago I had a pair of white kind of like thick frame glasses, and it started to become like my thing. Like I was doing a lot of freelance video, and it was like someone was like, "You should brand your whole company around that." And I was like, "I don't know about that." And then, yeah, I got the blue ones, which lasted quite a while. But uh, out. yeah, they just eventually <laughs> those just uh, those those they didn't last. And uh, uh, yeah, I like I like these now. They've got the blue blockers and all that good stuff. But I do think I may have to switch it up next time I, I order again. Man, you should probably just go with the blue frames again. I was like <laughs> the, the interview I was watching. I was like, man, those are very blue. <laughs> so <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you the dirty secret of why I switched. Um, okay. My face is not, you know, perfectly symmetrical. And my ears are ever so slightly different. So on those plastic blue frames, I at least watching myself being recorded all the time could notice that my glasses were sitting at an angle and it was driving me nuts. So I was like, <laughs> let me get some wire frames. I can bend a little bit more, make fit my face. <laughs> And we'll go from yeah, there. Why do you think my camera's at a 45 degree angle? <laughs> because I too wear glasses normally. They don't fit great with the, with this headset. Uh, and when, if, when I'm doing this, it's all like, God damn it. Good. And I'm doing it in reverse. It's a whole, it's a whole, it's a whole dance. I feel you. Yeah. All right. Uh, Jamie. Uh, just wanted to know uh, kind of what your experience with Dungeons and Dragons has been. Like, when did you start playing? How long have you been? The secret origin for- story. Yes. Uh, I've got a very cliche answer, and that is that uh, I started watching Critical Role and got really into it. And from there, very quickly was like, maybe not at that level, but we could do that. Mm. (laughs) And so so we had started playing um, my friend Joe and I, um, who is in several of the shows. And very quickly, we're like, this would be so much fun to record um, and have a, a second game in addition to our home game that we could work on. Um, so, I'm, you know, 2018, I think, is when we started. I'm pretty fresh okay. to, to the whole hobby. Um, but like I think a lot of people who have gotten into this, um, you know, had an extensive history with fantasy and, you know, just a, a, a Narnia and Tolkien and Redwall kid growing up. Um, and so this, you know finally get to do the thing you know in mm. pretend but do the thing that you're reading about all the time cool tori so i'm very curious about your very first character that you created and their backstory what they were i'm not not trying to put you on blast and say it's a, like that everybody first character it's a bit of a self-insert but <laughs> i feel like i'd like to get to know who your first character was <laughs> hundred percent. So I, I mean, I played a pre-gen character my first couple of times playing D and D and then I immediately started DMing. I was the, the, you know, kind of the de facto DM for the group. And so I didn't get to play play at least for a, like a real campaign for a while. And when I did, it was with a friend in their 3.5 game. Mm. And so I played a half elf named Elris, uh, who had a French accent and was a little bit older than the other players. They were all playing teenagers and he was coming in as like a 30 ish year old. Um, and he was an asshole. Like he just absolutely was. He was, he was a jerk. He was self-centered. He was arrogant towards them. And, um, 
I had a ton of fun playing him. I got to develop him a little bit and soften him over time. Um, I also learned that lesson that I think a lot of us learn early on in that playing the jerk character can cause some inner party conflict and that that's not always fun. And, you know, eventually I retired him and brought in a more maybe group friendly character. Um, but he still holds a, a dear spot in my heart because he went through a lot and, uh, you know, he became very angry at the world, but I, I think if I had kept playing him, he could have he could have found his way. See, we solved that problem by having all five cast members play the jerk character. Um, <laughs> and true. in doing so, like <laughs> the, it's like when you try and put like four or five push four or five magnets with the same the same pole against yeah. each other. Yeah, they, they just they just bounce off each other. <laughs> Bob is not a jerk. Todd is definitely not. Todd Bob, just does. Bob got his own set of issues. He's not. He's not the worst. <laughs> That's he's true. not the worst. <laughs> but he has made some questionable decisions. You know, Baba is the vacation dad that was like, "We got to stay on schedule." And if that means <laughs> I have to like do some morally compromising activities to make sure that we get to the park at seven a.m. and get good parking, that was Baba's energy for the last like. Good, that, good number of sessions. That's true. So, I, I, I will give you that's that. Its, that's its own special. You better pee now, but or the, because the window major ain't stopping, Baba. He's um, <laughs> not, uh, not, uh, not necessarily the nicest. Don't you make me come back there. So, so when you guys you guys break up the individual arcs, and I think this is probably a little bit easier with with doing it on YouTube. Although I'm certainly certainly sure you can do it on podcast streams as well. But your first, your new season is a completely. New story, same setting or because, you know, same setting yeah, 27 years later, okay. uh, because, you know, spoilers, there's a big event that happens at the end of our first season um, that um, has some some kingdom wide impacts that it was, I was like, well, let's do a time jump. Let's mm. let's I want to be in the same world. I've <laughs> spent a lot of time developing this world, um, but I don't want it to be a direct sequel um, or continuation. Um, and for the first time, our new season is more of an open ended like um, so we've released as of today, 14 episodes, but we've recorded almost 30. Mm. and like it's going to be a much more like we'll just go until the wheels fall off type thing um rather than kind of these mini things um but yeah same setting uh, a little bit later uh, but we've already found you know it's not so far removed that some of the remnants of the past sure. and some of the npcs and whatnot that they've started to pop up here and there in the new in the new game go 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 anthony i'm gonna do something that i'm not sure has been done before uh -oh. on on our thing i'm gonna bonus action before my action and I'm going to say, if you don't mind, could you answer this question in that French accent that your character oh, has? Oh, very nice. Very nice. <laughs> I'll allow it. I will Damn it. allow it. <laughs> so I was going through, uh, I was scrolling down your Twitter timeline. And I saw that you had an injury um, that you said you gained on a half pipe. And I was curious <laughs> as to if that was on a skateboard or were you in line like what was the what was the situation there what happened what went wrong i apologize to everybody of the wonderful nation of france for what i'm about to do to your language <laughs> <laughs> it was not on a skateboard or a uh, inline skates or anything like that it was uh, on a scooter actually uh my young son and i have begun uh, skating together in order to spend some quality time uh we found an indoor skate park because it is in minnesota and the winter is very 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 harsh here uh, and I am uh, 30, almost 34 years old, and I am not built for, for scootering. And I took the half pipe a little faster than I should have, and uh, 
My knee felt it for the next several days. Yes. <laughs> Good job. Very well But imagine having to listen to that for just sessions on end, or it, it was too much. <laughs> yeah, that's that's what the voice every, is. Every every yeah. French person I know would have been yeah. proud. I yeah, yeah. I, I took two I years know. of French in high school. I have imaginary voices in my head in that accent. So. Good job. I, I love a good fake French accent. Arlen? <laughs> okay. So uh, I was looking at the same interview I was watching. You, you talked about you, your, your, uh, I guess I'm sorry, I'm um, lost words, but the, the way you DM, you said it was like doing public speaking. And I thought that was pretty cool where you said that, um, that when you do public speaking, some of it is written, but a lot of it just kind of flows as you go about doing it. Uh, how much of your DMing would you say is written versus how much are you just playing it off the cuff and improving with the, the people and how much of your world actually gets regenerated or remade in the image you might not have even thought because of this improv? I'd probably do about 5% planning. Um, honestly, five? 5%. Wow. Yeah. I, I, I wing a lot of stuff. Um, for the new campaign, I did a little bit more upfront prep. Obviously I had all the campaign takes place in a city. So I really wanted to build out the city and know what shops mm -hmm. there were and all that type of stuff. But <laughs> my players have gotten to the point now where they'll message me after game and they'll be like that whole arc happened, like appeared mid game, didn't it? And I'm like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. You made some decisions. And I was like, okay, now there's a beholder yep. there. Uh, and here's how we're going to make it work. Um, I, it's how I prefer playing and I like running modules. I really do. Like I, I that's how I started and I really enjoy mm -hmm. that type of DMing. But when I'm kind of doing my own thing, um, yeah, it's mostly improv. Um, it bites me in the butt all the time because I'll say or do things that I won't make good notes on, or I'll do an NPC and would, forget what their accent was. I wouldn't know anything about was. that. How dare you, Drew? How dare you? <laughs> but, but it is fun. And I, I'm not the type of person who wants to be referencing my notes all the time. Um, I think it breaks the flow of things. It takes me out of the game. And so I'd, I'd rather deal with some of those frustrations of memory and whatnot and, and be present and be a part of what's happening. Yeah. Be, planning. There is an over planning extent where it just is completely pointless because you're, you, no matter how well you map it out, um, your players are always going to do some weird shit. A and um, there is a balance that you have to strike for that. Um, less in, I think, home games than in production D and D like any, anything that is being produced for an audience, you're, you're a little bit more constrained, but yeah, I, I, I um, the D most DMs greatest secret is, yeah, man, like we get some, we have some bullet points and then we just go. Um, so this being the first time I've ever really played D and D I'm, I'm seeing it to me. Like, I don't know what's behind the scenes. Mm -hmm. I've never done things so watching Turner do it to me. It always seems like, the way I looked at it. So when you said 5%, that seemed like a, like a very low number to me. Cause I'm, in my head, I'm thinking, yeah, a lot of it is planned and you're improving to get them back on script the way you have in your head versus eh, just a little bit here. And then we'll see how it goes. In my, my head, it went, like when I think oh, how would DM, I'm thinking I'm a planet, planet. And if they go on script off script, let's try to veer them back in the way. Do you not, Veer, do you not veer them or you're just like okay we're all script now let's just go with it baby that's a real that's a real good question i think it really depends on first of all i think it depends on the dm style because i've i've played and and seen mm. games that do both of those yeah. types of things and they're all yep, valid yep, yep for me there's an element of it depends on where we're at in the story 
depends on what I need to happen in order to advance things. And it's different in a recorded game than a home game. Home game, I don't yeah. care. Like you want, this is what you want to do. You want to make a whole side quest about this weird shop owner. Like that's fine. Recorded games. Sometimes I, there is something we're trying to shoot for, right? We, we record in two hour chunks. That's not very long compared to a lot of games out there. Um, you know, we have to keep the pace up. And so, but the players know that mm. they know that ahead of time. Um, or I can message one of them and give them a little nudge about, Hey, don't forget about that NPC that gave you this quest or something. So, but case in point, Recently coming up, not in the show yet, but there, there's a whole arc where they were supposed to figure out why rats were infesting a bakery. It's just it's a little silly side quest. Next thing you know, there's a whole kingdom of rats with a monarch and there's a beast in down mm. there that like they have to take out. And like they discovered a dwarven city because of that. Like it's all over the map. And that's that was all improv. And that was all based on them buying in deeper into the rat side quest. And so we just kept pulling that thread until all of a sudden we were in this really epic moment um, that I really hadn't planned. Uh, but that, you know, that was them. That was them saying, yeah, I'm going to buy in deeper. I'm going to keep asking questions and keep pushing. I'd like to use my reaction and uh, build on to this question by asking if uh, what's the first, the biggest moment that you think of where whatever it was that came out of your mouth, you're just like, oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> you see the words come out like, this is not going to go what I, the way I think it is. Oh, man. There's so many, but I think that <laughs> thinking about this campaign, there's a character um, who has been introduced in the show, so no, no real spoilers here. Um, there's a character called Elixio who is just the smarmiest like worst type of villain, like, you know, high society with a bad comb over, like just annoying, gross guy. And I was excited for him to, to come into the scene. But the minute they started interacting with them and I realized how gross I had to be and how <laughs> smarmy I had to be in order to make this. And they were eating it up and we were having fun. But like there was this it's almost like the French accent thing of like, oh, God, I have to keep this up. And I, there was a little bit of regret there in terms of like, oh my gosh, this is going to be, this is going to be challenging, but it was a lot of fun. Uh, Jimmy. Uh, so you mentioned that the different uh, arcs or campaigns are kind of based on different movies. I was wondering if you could kind of give me an example of some of the movies that you've pulled inspiration from. hundred um, percent. I think that one of my face. So one of the things that we did in the pandemic was a little mini series called evocations, which was backstory episodes for our three main characters from our campaign. So we went back in time. We saw them when they were younger and was a one-on-one -on -one game, uh, which was super rewarding to do. I, I recommend everybody play a one-on-one -on -one game at some point, um, with a player that or DM that you trust and love. Um, those were super fun because each one of those was a very different tone. So for one character, it was a hunting, like kind of in the forest horror movie. And another okay. one, it was a coming of age story and about a young child, like facing fear for the first time. And I had Pixar movies in my head and whatnot. Um, and then for another one, it was a straight up like action adventure, like save the town type of thing. And so I, I don't know that there are specific films that I can say sure. this is exactly the movie I was basing this off of, but the genres for sure. Mm. And I, I, it's even kind of started to become a point where I'm like, what genre have I not done yet? Buddy cop movie. Let's find a, like a road trip <laughs> buddy cop type film and let's make a, make a story out of that or, or, you know, Hallmark cozy films. Like, can we do something with that? That's actually engaging. And that's been really fun. 
Yeah, we, we I pretty much planned it around National Lampoon's vacation, um, and that's really panned out pretty well for us so far. <laughs> that's valid. I love that. Tori? <laughs> I'm seeing, as we brought up Pokemon a little bit earlier, and I'm seeing some, some box cards and things, um, and as we do and stalk uh, people on Twitter, mm. I saw um, a tweet that you posted about um, wanting to create your own trading card game. So I'm curious, kind of, what are your, what's your brainstorming thoughts about that? What would you do? Oh gosh, I may have been, I may have been uh, a few beers deep when I tweeted that one. Um, <laughs> I mean, I, trading cards are relatively new for me. I mean, I was into basketball growing up, but relatively recently got into Magic and and then Pokemon, and actually found out I like Pokemon better than Magic um, and stuff. So I I think for me. Um, yeah, I have a nine-year-old who's super creative and draws comics and stuff. And I would love to to do something with him mm. where like he's drawing the art and then I'm making the card. And I mean, come on, it's going to be a Pokemon ripoff. It's not, gonna be, you know, <laughs> <laughs> there's only so creative you can be, uh, or at least that I can be. But yeah, something with like, with like, you know, fun childlike monsters. Um, I love the idea of a whole trading card game series with art done by kids. They've done little bits of that in Pokemon and other games. Um, but I'd love to just lean into that and do that. Uh, so the first watch is that uh, go, breaking into your pod, the, the title of your podcast uh, slash show. Sorry, I, I'm always going to default to podcast slash show. It really is, is, no, that's is much of a show. Uh, the um, is uh, is that indicative of kind of how the party got together? What's the, what's the origin story of the name of the show? Yeah, so I wanted to evoke a feeling of fantasy adventure. Um, and I, I was trying to think of what are some of the most universal things that happen mm. in these shows, games, movies, whatever it is. And I really got hung up on this idea of, of the night, like the watch right at night. Um, I couldn't call it the night's watch because <laughs> we've got game of Thrones right. and they do that. Um, but I really love the, the, the visceral image of sitting by a campfire in the dark of the forest and hearing sounds and not knowing what's out there. And it's, it's a little scary. Uh, it's, it can be serene at times. Like there's a lot of things that can come with that. And so we were playing with that until we finally came up with the first watch. Um, and then our logo designer, when he did the logo, um, did this amazing thing where he incorporated the image of an owl and a bow and a dragon and all these cool fantasy things into one logo, um, which I think kind of mirrors that. Uh, most people see the owl when they see it, and that works for you know the first watch as well. Yeah, Jamie certainly does. Um, Anthony, <laughs> wait, that's not an owl. <laughs> no, I see them. I like they. They've got a good logo. I thought. I thought uh, you guys started like as a police procedural, like it was a. Uh, it was a originally. <laughs> a guard police procedural. And then I paid attention. I was like, no, that's not what it is. But now I want to run a police procedural, uh, uh show. Uh, cause that, that would be, nice. uh, that would be a hoot. Um, and I'm sure, but in some regards, I mean, there's similarities there too, right? It's like, you know, your night's watch, your, your watch, you know, your first watch, your first shift or what. There you go. Yeah. There you go. Anthony. Yeah. So, um, if I believe I heard you correctly, y'all said y'all started, you started out in person. We did. Yeah. And so, like, now are y'all still doing in person? And if not, how does that transition work? Like, what VTTs are y'all using? Like, what, how kind of have you made that transition uh, or not made the transition? <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, we're all virtual now. Um, <laughs> we had been able to record, we recorded our first season, which was very short. It was like six episodes in the span of a weekend. Um, we just kind of like pounded them out to two episodes a day for a little while. Um, so I had all that footage when the pandemic hit, mm -hmm. um, and could, could be releasing that. 
And then what, you know, being a filmmaker, that's, that's my day job. I really was focused on quality at first and I really wanted things to like have a cinematic feel. So we started, you know, try like those evocations, one-on-one games I mentioned, like we actually set up cameras and recorded ourselves while also like talking via, via video chat. Um, and then edited yeah. the recorded footage together and it's super great. I was filming miniatures and intercutting that footage in with, with the battle scenes. It was all super fun and incredibly time consuming. And eventually, you know, got a job. I've got wife and kids. I've got other hobbies as well. And like, I had to make a tough decision for myself of like, um, I, I need to, I need to make this more accessible for myself. Um, so that's where we started just going to, you know, we just record via zoom, um, and record our, our audio that way. And, um, you know, put the edits together and it's, you know, every once in a while there's a little zoom glitch or the audio quality is not as nice as I would like it to be. Um, but it's getting out there and that's better than, you know, not getting edited and just sitting there trying to wrestle with, with codecs and stuff like that. As far as like other things that we use, so we use roll 20, um, we use zoom for our recording, um, and then, and you know, discord for, for chats and, and when I need to send them stuff and maps and things like that. So it's pretty bare bones. Cool. Cool. Ireland. All right, taking it away from the D and D stuff and going on your Twitter. I see you seem like a basketball fan. You mentioned you're a basketball fan. You also mentioned you're from Minnesota. I saw that you seem to be mentioning about Timberwolves. Your favorite all time Minnesota Timberwolf player. I am not from Minnesota though, so okay. I am. You, I'm I saw from you a lot of also the Indiana Pacers as well. Yep. Are you uh, a Pacers so- fan? I, I, well, it's hard to be a Pacers fan some of these years, but yes, uh, uh, no, I'm from Indiana and New Hampshire, um, okay. and then ended up in Minnesota in 2014. So I've, I'm adopting the Vikings and the Timberwolves. Um, if I got to pick a favorite Timberwolf, we're going Kevin Garnett. That's the only favorite Pacer answer. is going to be Reggie Miller. He was my idol growing up. I, I hate that answer. I hate that answer. <laughs> oh, we lost him. No, no, we lost him. Yeah. Uh, oh, oh, no. Oh, was an asshole to him about it. Like, like yeah, I hate that answer. Fuck you, buddy. <laughs> there was, there was, there was, there was one correct <laughs> answer. Kick them off yeah. after you said wow. Reggie Miller. That's messed up, bro. Yeah. Wow, that's wow. Cool. wow. man. You hate Reggie Miller that much? And he was right with te- with te- uh, t- uh, Kevin Garnett. I knew when he said paces, he was going to say Reggie Miller, and we were going to have uh, a, a, a verbal fight. <laughs> <laughs> and you kicked him off. You unplugged. You unplugged yeah. his computer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Raced through the internet. Oh wait, that right? called and canceled his internet. He's over there in Minnesota. It's a snowstorm. Probably that's what lost his connection. Oh, he came yeah. back and then bounced no, again. He's back. No, <laughs> oh, he's, he's back. Ready. He's here. Yeah. But now I gotta get now I gotta get back into initiative oh, oh, order. Audio. This this we don't hear you. No, no. We that's don't okay. You. I got time to mess around with this. That means boop. All right, everybody's back. Uh, another reason why we don't use Zoom and 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 uh, <laughs> Streamlabs as much as we typically would. All right, my back now. You're back All now. Right. You are yeah. back. Sorry yeah. about that. You're right. It probably was this. Uh, Arlen kicked you out because he didn't like Reggie Miller. <laughs> yeah. Listen, I'm I'm a oh! New York Knicks fan, so the name yeah. the name Reggie Miller. Yes. Uh, <laughs> oh yeah, it hurts. The name Reggie oh, Miller yeah. hurts. I I had very so. big ears when I was a kid, very sticky out ones, and he did too. <laughs> and I was just like, "You're my man. You're my favorite player." Um, <laughs> but no, I yeah, I, I'll watch uh, I'll watch the Timberwolves. I like going to their games. Um, Pacers, I love them, but they break your heart every year. So. Know about that? I'm an expand. I understand. I understand about heartbreak. <laughs> we can we can commiserate on the heartbreak. That's for sure. We we can. Jordan has made both of our lives <laughs> <Yeah>. somewhat hell. <laughs> yeah. All right, Jamie. 
so you got some Pokemon stuff in the background. Are there any other games, like video games that you play? Or are you or mostly Pokemon? Uh, no, I, I, I'm, I have a very kind of on again, off again relationship with video games. I'll, I'll hyper focus and binge something and then I won't play it for six months. Um, some of my favorites are Fallout 4, um, Skyrim. I'm playing through Breath of the Wild for the first time right now. Nice. Uh, Stray was surprisingly amazing. That just came out recently. I love the vibes of that game uh, where you play mm-hmm. this little post-apocalyptic cat. Little yep. cat. And then yeah. The Last of Us, which I'm now watching the show, which just came out and got to love that as well. So, yeah. Nice. Yeah, my daughter just started playing The Last of Us. Oh. Uh, has not played a ton of video games beyond like oh, man. The Sims. She's more of like a, a sim, like Stardew Valley and stuff like that. And having to explain to her like, you run away from those things. Yep. Yeah. And yep. uh, don't find it. It is, yeah, it is. I will tell you, like, like it's the first time I've ever seen her and her brother really cooperate oh, at anything. Cool. I'm like, she's probably not old enough to watch this with her, but they're getting along. <laughs> I'll pay for the, the trauma later. Tori, um, I had three competing questions in my head. Uh, Mr. Turner really sounded like he was going to continue that story and abruptly stopped yeah. and said my name. Yeah, yeah, that's, <laughs> you you got to be prepared for the sneak attack. It is the whole oh, theme of the show. Man. Yeah. Okay. Um, uh, what are, is there something as a collector? Every time I say this, it makes me sound like a serial killer. I'm basically <laughs> avoiding... <laughs> Uh, i'm avoiding the word hoarder but as somebody that likes to have lots of things and loves their things (laughs) i'm curious what's your favorite thing to have and to maybe you like go out and about you're like i have to go have that and i'm not condoning steel i this is what things do you like so many terrifying (laughs) windows into tori being slid open right now so many scary like my first victim skull was my favorite yeah. um, what kind of trophies do you keep yeah. <laughs> so so the corinthian bullshit or your hero do tell i have to be careful how i phrase my answer so that i don't add oh my God, no, to the to the, no, to the horror <laughs> moviness of this um the way I collect is a little bit like the way I engage with any of my hobbies is in that I like to get good enough to feel competent, but then I never like master anything. Um, mm. And so with, with collecting, like I don't own a ton of like super valuable stuff. Like probably the most expensive card in my collection is like 80 bucks. And like, you know, compared to somebody who's got $500 cards or something like that. Um, I do just, Oh, when I mean collector, I fully mean hoarder, <laughs> like goblin. What makes yeah, you yeah, happy? Yeah. Not for the sake of like, look at my yeah, beautiful um, thing. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think what makes me the happiest are silly things. Um, things that are maybe a little goofy, but like they still, so like on the shelf here, we've got some fallout bobbleheads. Um, mm-hmm. we've got some really old, um, star Trek, uh, figures like the Picard. Well, I'm going to grab it. Hold on. Yes. There you <laughs> yes. 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 This is, this is the stuff of nightmares right here like go. it's it's all oh, disproportioned yeah. it's soup the hands are super weird i love this thing to death <laughs> like any <laughs> anything that that makes me feel that bit of nostalgia that, that is 90s merchandising at its best yeah yeah pre mcfarland toys merchandising where it was just like <laughs> man anything's a step up from the star wars <laughs> figures you would get some weird looking action figures so yeah so. I, if i'm out and about um i'll I'll impulse buy a pack of cards, Pokemon cards or something. Um, pins as well. I like uh, like the little enamel pins. I'll, I'll grab those if I find them mm-hmm. too. 
Yeah, I hear people really like pins and would like to buy a lot of them, especially if they were branded about our show. If only we had somebody working on that, Harlan. Um, <laughs> so speak, speaking fired. of merch, um, do you guys, uh, do you guys, uh, you know, uh, obviously you've got your show up on YouTube. Um, do you guys have a Patreon? Do you do merch? What's kind of the, uh, the oh God, monetization just sounds uh, mercenary, but I mean, like, let's be honest, the monetization side of it. All right. Do you guys have merch? Do you do you do the Patreon? What's what's that dimension of your show? Uh, we have a we have a very small red bubble shop. Um, I have a couple of things I need to still put up on there with a couple of T-shirts and things like that. We don't really sell merch. We don't really monetize anything right now. Um, I made a decision very early on that I didn't want any of our content to be behind a paywall. Um, mostly because like, as much as I love it, I hate the fact that I would have to pay for Dimension Twenty. Um, and I get why it is like, that's valid. That's your business mm. model. Like I'm not, I'm not knocking yeah. it, but just for me as a consumer, like I didn't want to add to that. Um, nor did I think that we had an audience big enough to, to warrant it. Um, right. So yeah, we, it, it's kind of just a problem we haven't had to, to worry about yet. And I'm okay to not worry about it. <laughs> cool. 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 Anthony. Um, looking at like some of y'all's art and things. Um, I'm really digging this, this turtle. Uh, image I keep seeing, but like I want to know as a DM, which character is your yeah. favorite? The turtle's a close one. So the turtle. So in our first season, uh, my wife is a player, um, and she plays that turtle, Sikia uh, Thonthway, mm -hmm. the, oh, cool. the turtle Arcana cleric. Love that character. Childlike innocence and wonder in the face of a lot of horror and a lot of challenge. Um, selfishly, my favorite character is my self-insert NPC, um, and I have actually gotten to play him as a character in one of our one-shots that was DM'd by Connie Chang, um, and his name is Hokey Muckrib, nice. uh, and he is a halfling artificer wizard um, who is just scatterbrained and a little abrasive, but but incredibly curious. That's his that's his defining characteristic. Is he he'll always ask another question. Um, and it's so much fun to play because it's just it's a little burst of chaos into any any game if he shows up as an NPC um, and and very I found when I played him as a player incredibly high energy and like it takes a lot out of you to maintain that energy throughout a whole game. Um, but super, super fun. Okay. Uh, cool. Harlan. All right. Uh, you said you you are a, a filmmaker by trade. Uh, what's your favorite movie? My favorite. Uh, see, I'm going to sound uh, stuck uh, or uh, snobbish here. Uh, my favorite movie is uh, called The Third Man. Uh, it's a film starring Joseph Cotton and Orson Welles. It's from 1963 or 64, I think. Um, mm. black and white film. Um, it's set in post-World War II when uh, like Vienna was being split up uh, by a bunch of different countries. And it's a murder mystery story uh, and a film noir story set in there. The entire movie is scored with the zither and it gives it this really weird feel, but that works beautifully. Um, mm -hmm. So it's, you know, it's kind of these darker themes, but then it's got this like almost banjo-esque type, type sound to everything, uh, sort of like European banjo sound to, to everything. And it's, uh, it's a fascinating movie. It has some of the best quotes of any old film I've ever seen. And uh, that's my favorite. That you've won me over, wait, wait, you won me over calling I'm the Zither pull. European banjo. Like I'm here for it. That is both such an apt and charming description of it. So Harlan, do you have a bonus action there? I want to hear if this guy one this this so, so quotable. Give us a quote. Uh, I won't do this word perfect, but uh, 
one of the characters when talking to another character about how he shouldn't worry about kind of stepping on other people and like taking advantage and, uh, you know, trying to trying to help him kind of get over his morality to some degree. And this is Orson Welles character. He says uh, in Switzerland, they had, you know, 200 years or whatever it was of peace or or what did no 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 sorry he starts elsewhere he's like uh in such and such country they had 200 years of war they had revolutions and they produced uh you know some of the greatest artists and poets and whatnot of our time michelangelo whatever in switzerland they had <clears throat> the same amount of peace and prosperity and and brotherly love and what did they produce the cuckoo clock and then he just walks off and i'm like that's <laughs> that's cold but also incredibly funny <laughs> jamie I'm going to continue pulling questions from the stuff in your background. <laughs> uh, what is uh, your favorite X-Men? My favorite X-Men is Nightcrawler. Uh, and I love Alan Cummings portrayal of him in X-Men 2. Um, I, so I'm a religious person and, you know, not that religious people need representation, but comics is not a place where you obviously see a lot of pro religion. Um, so I like, I like that Nightcrawler's Catholic and that he's unapologetic about it and that that factors it, that wrestling of faith and, and, you know, what's going on in the world and being a mutant kind of all comes together. I think he's a really fascinating character with some badass powers. That that's why I've always liked Daredevil yeah, as a character close second. because of the duality of his religion versus the job that he does and yep. things like that. Uh, yeah, that's that that's always I've always been a fan of Daredevil yeah. because of that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Daredevil's Catholicism's been baked into him pretty much since the Frank Miller's days. Nightcrawler's kind of forward-facing Catholicism is definitely an artifact of late '90s, early aughts. Yep. Um, it wasn't as present with the character. Um, like, cause I am more familiar with the swashbuckling, um, mm. uh, Excalibur. Yeah, Excalibur. <laughs> Look, Excalibur is my favorite X-Men comic. Like that run of early, like one to 65, one to 75 cross time capers, co completely continuity free to, except for the weird tie-ins to old Captain Britain comics. Cause I, I'm a sucker for B and C tier heroes, um, <laughs> is, is peak, um, not silver SD. God, who was the, who, uh, Jim Starlin was the artist and um, the guy who wrote all the X-Men. Um, uh, Claremont. Claremont. Yeah. It's just Pete Claremont Silveresti. And it is, uh, uh, it, it is choice, but I, I mean, you know, Alan Cummings can, can do no wrong. Yeah. He is certainly a, a fantastic. And actor. I'll Tor reaction or something real quick if I can, because, ah, look at that. because Tori, you asked earlier what my favorite thing to pick up was. And, and I, I, I brain farted on this because one, I collect comics as well. And mm -hmm. I specifically collect number one issues. Um, so if mm -hmm. I'm anywhere, like I, I won't even need to, I'll just pick up whatever that is. Number one. Um, and my favorite personal piece that I have is the 1990, uh, number one reissue of X-Men. And I have all four comic, uh, cover variants as well as the fold out version that has all four oh, together. Sick. Um, and I need to get that framed, nice. but that is, that's yeah. my, that's my favorite thing I own. Cool. That's cool. Yeah. And it's my turn and I'm ready. <laughs> if you could live in a movie, what movie would you live in? Oh, man. Um, I got. So you, you don't have to even be a main character or anything. You're in that sure. universe, but that movie is happening. It's not just like any point in the universe. Well, the movie. See, happening. now here's the here's the interesting thing that you say movie and That's not cool just question. like IP or something, because I'll go the Lord of the Rings and I'll go Hobbiton. Because in the movie, the Shire is not scourged. And so yes. I don't, so I get all the benefits <laughs> of Hobbiton, but I don't have to live through the orcs. 
um, even in the extended edition, I thought the I thought the scourging was in like the extended. There's editions. a scene when he's looking in Galadriel's mirror where he sees yeah, yeah. what could happen, but it doesn't actually ever happen in the movies. Uh, yeah. Okay. What's uh, what's your take then? Are you a, you're a big uh, Tolkien guy at all, or are you just you're just a fan of the of the show? Yeah, I'm a big Tolkien guy. I'm not. I'm certainly not someone who can recite all the genealogies of the elves, but uh, <laughs> I grew up reading them, and I I do love them. Yeah. Good. Good for you. We are we are very happy that you are, aren't one of those people. Um, the uh, 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 Rings of Power, what's your take then, both as a filmmaker and a Tolkien? Uh, I mean, as a filmmaker, I think it's gorgeous. Um, I think that it did a really good job of trying to aspire for that sense of fully realized world that, that Jackson was able to do with the films. Um, yeah. And I enjoyed it. Um, I think as a Tolkien fan, I... I have, I bring the same mentality I bring to Rings of Power that I brought to Lord of the Rings, which was I, I have to set the books aside. If I'm going to sit mm-hmm. here and just hold in my book and try to compare, I'm going to have a real bad time. But if I yeah. set this aside and I go, I love this vibe. I love this world. I love these characters. Like, let's just let them tell their story. Um, then I have a great time watching. Yeah. Yeah, I think um, I think it's incredibly well. I'm, see, I, I have read Lord of the Rings. Um, and I don't know that I could make it. Th- I read The Hobbit, um, but man, there there was one of them I couldn't make it through. Um, and, and enjoyed the Peter Jackson movies when they first came out. Um, they have not stood the test of time for me very well. But the um, uh, man, I re- really dug the Rings of Power. I think it's, it was incredibly well produced and incredibly well acted. So, uh, Anthony, uh, I actually polled the audience for questions and. Drakeen came up with one that I want to know the answer to, which mm-hmm. is what's the worst Star Wars movie oh, and why is it The Last Jedi? <laughs> it's The Rise of Skywalker. That's the worst Star Wars movie. Um, that is the correct answer. That is the correct, that answer. Is the correct answer, Drew. You don't and, need to follow up. Very good. Gold star. You're my favorite guest. And I will say, like, all, in my opinion, all Star Wars is good Star Wars. Like, I'll watch The Rise of Skywalker, Skywalker if that's all that's on. Um, but it won't be my first choice. Counterpoint. There is it some will garbage not Star be my Wars. First choice. Uh, I, I will say maybe the holiday special yeah. doesn't quite fit that sentiment. But uh, everything else I've enjoyed to some degree. Uh. The the prequels are hot garbage. Um, the, I will uh, argue the, with you on that um, one, but that's another a, podcast episode. <laughs> that's a whole other podcast. We are happy to have you back and do the full deep dive about why they are so terrible. Um, why they are a filmmaker unchecked by power. Or anybody going, yeah, George, <laughs> we shouldn't do that. That's got a lot of just no. Let's um, hey man, um. There are some broad brushes you shouldn't paint well, uh, characters yes. with, um, uh, uh, like <laughs> like several, like half of them. Um, they're uh, to problematic in the least. Um, let alone my midichlorians, midichlorians. Um, uh, Harland, uh, you said you have a nine-year-old son, daughter, mm-hmm. son, uh, son, and a six-year-old daughter. Okay, do you um, have you introduced them to D and D yet? I have, and uh, it was both an exhilarating and frustrating experience because I don't know if any of you have played with young children, but yep. uh, you can't expect them to know the rules or go anything by the rules. Um, but as soon again, as soon as you set that aside and go, look, we're just going to play make-believe here with a little bit of structure, um, it was super great. My son played a, you know, for a few games, he played um, <laughs> a Goliath warrior named Magic Big Girl. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and she her thing is she would blacksmith things that was his word for creating something i would like to blacksmith a mm-hmm. giant armor automaton i'm like you're level one dude like sure whatever <laughs> yep. 
Roll for blacksmithing. Uh, yes. Yeah, that's, uh, yeah, I mean, they will come up with some of the most bizarrely created. They will take some giant swings if you're playing with your kids. Um, and if you haven't had the opportunity to do that, I, uh, anybody who's, who ends up listening to this at some point, I cannot recommend it enough. Because one, they, they will take giant swings. Uh, and two, they don't know all the secrets like everybody else does. So you can like, you are the most everything creative works. person they've ever met. Uh, everything works. Uh, Jamie? I think we're on Jamie. Yeah. Uh, so has has everything that you've done with the show been D&D? And if so, is there any other like game systems that you'd be interested in exploring outside of D&D uh, for future content? That's a great question. Um, two things we've done have been outside D&D. One sort of, one for sure. We did a one shot with the folks who created the system and the world, World of Wildevere. Um, mm. And so that's on our channel and that's a different game system. Um, and I got to play in that when the cre- and the creator ran the game. Um, that was super fun. It's a, it's actually a very, um, it's good for anybody, but it's a very kid friendly system. Um, so if I was going to start a campaign with my children, I'd probably use that system um, for it. And then our show, the Inn at the edge of Greenwood, which is more of a, tr- of a pure podcast. There's no visual aspects mm. to that. Um, that is D&D set, like people mention D&D things, but we yeah. don't roll any dice. Uh, mm. There's no mechanics. It's truly meant to just be a, a role play experience. Um, that's our one that's a little bit more like the cozy Hallmark type thing. Mm. Um, it's a storytelling podcast where, for instance, one of you would come on in character as mm. your character from this show um, and character. visit the inn and interact with the innkeeper and tell a story of your adventures. That uh, you, want me, you want me to tell you how that goes? Five minutes in, somebody's getting thrown out. <laughs> that ends like whether it's five minutes or fifty. That ends with a forcible ejection of the character. Due to a table being flipped or a door being kicked. Yeah, yeah, there it is. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. yeah, Harlan's a five minuter. Uh, the, uh, is that an is that an Ed Greenwood reference? Just out of curiosity, is that an Ed uh, it Green- is not? No. Ah, okay. Because I did see that, and I was like, mm, that'd be a good cut. I'm gonna give you credit, Drew, and say that's an Ed Greenwood call out. I wish, uh, yeah. No, I started to write a book, and oh. I wanted to write a book about an innkeeper who was just kind of at this remote inn in his day in the life and very slice of life. And I just I never got past the first few pages, and then came back to it a year later and was like, well, what if I use this for the show? So yeah, yeah. I think I think there is a, and I I'm sure somebody has written this out there somewhere, but the the innkeeper that runs the inn that all the adventurers hang out at, the story from his perspective, I, I am sure would be an interesting. Uh, live stream to do as a guest uh, as a guest show uh tori <laughs> yeah Ooh, um i just it, in the whole i was so enraptured i just wrote down magic big girl <laughs> 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 just creating my backup character don't worry <laughs> don't mind me <laughs> somebody's got a new roller derby name <laughs> hey i'm thinking about trying out later this year anyway yeah yeah so called uh, it. Oh, I, you know what what would be your roller derby name? What's your what's your pun tough name? Oh my gosh. Um God, all I can think of is stupid stuff like Fritz McGill or something <laughs> really, really weird like that. Scooter um, McGillicuddy. Scooter <laughs> McGillicuddy. I'm calling it right now. Something with something with knuckles in the name. I like the I like the idea of of knuckles something or other. I like knuckles something or other. No, 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 no. Yeah, knuckles something or other. There we go. Yep. Knuckles deep. All right. Uh shit, that's my me. Um, uh, so, uh, so you, you're, you're a full-time filmmaker in your, in your day job. Is that the case? Uh, uh, is that for, uh, just, just broader film production or is it more on the commercial side 
kind of what's the what's the scope of that? Yeah, it's more on the commercial side. Um, I've done a little bit of everything, um, but I've been with a company now for the last several years that works doing uh, video production for school districts. Oh, um, nice. And nice, it, nice. It's really awesome. So we get yeah. to we get to work with kids. We get to work with teachers. We get to help share their stories out there. Um, and yeah, I mean, out of all the corporate filmmaking gigs you could have. Yeah. Um, I like where I've landed. Yeah. Yeah. My wife has been in the educational publishing or educational services industry for, uh, for pretty much as long as I've known her. Uh, she worked at Scholastic when we first met. Nice. Um, and there's some really cool creative positions out there in that subset of an industry that you, you just don't know exist until you get into it. Right. Um, but yeah, there's yep. some really fun and cool stuff out there. So awesome, man. Um, uh, I appreciate the transition, Turner. I was going to ask a film question. Um, so as a filmmaker, too, so this is, I guess, two question or action and reaction. Like what um, camera and kind of glass are you like normally using um, uh, for, you know, just kind of your normal shoots and money, no object. What camera and lens combo are you going with? I'm not as much of a gearhead as I used to be, but I, I work. We use uh, the Canon C200s with the Rokinon um prime okay. lens kits and mm -hmm. um for anyone who knows anything about cameras broken on you should check out because it's like really good like all not zeiss level but pretty close uh for way cheaper so it's a great kit um yeah. and i love it it's a very warm image um for me money no object i honestly i'd go back to film i so when i went to film school i shot my uh senior project on 16 millimeter um, which was both a horrifying and expensive process, but mm -hmm. also like, I still go back to that thing I made at the very beginning of my career and go, that looks pretty like film yeah. just looks great. And I like 16 millimeter in particular. So, you know, early seasons of the walking dead were shot on 16 mil because it just looked better with the special effects. And there's a, there's a cool quality to it that just has a little bit of history, but um, yeah, that's what I would do. Cool. 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 So is that the reaction to Anthony? You good? Yeah, it was. Yeah, the two, the two different. What he's cameras. using and what's it? Ah, I see. Arlen. Yeah, I'm gonna just uh, use the dodge action and just gonna pass that one to oh, ask the question to Jamie. Man, ah, it wasn't me first. Yeah, the Magic Johnson. Yeah, all right, Jamie. I was also gonna dodge, but I'm not gonna salvage it. <laughs> you and, can't uh, back to back, I, man. I, I you know, can't back to back. Know. You know. Uh, so let's see. Uh, <laughs> he dodges with music? advantage. <laughs> How about yeah. music? Uh, what kind of music uh, are you are you into? Uh, I like a lot of early two thousands. I like eighties um, punk. Um, I like uh, stuff that's got not like fully electronic, but it has a little bit of a vibe. So like. Um, uh, some like postal service static age stuff from, from the right. 2000s. I um, think that. Yeah. A little bit. I like lo-fi. Um, my son who, um, so my son is autistic and he doesn't like a lot of music, but he loves 21 pilots for some reason. <laughs> um, and, and I can, I can get with that. So we listened to a little bit. We were actually just playing that album before this, um, and dancing to That's it. Awesome. So yeah. <laughs> just real quick follow up on that do, music on the, the show. Are you scoring your episodes or how do you, how do you guys work music into your show? So my friend Joe, uh, who is a cinematographer and DT player, he's also a composer. He's the most talented man I know, and it infuriates me. Um, he writes all the intro sequences for our shows. So pretty much every intro sequence uh, was written by him, um, minus the end of the Edge of Greenwood, which was written and recorded by another friend on violin. Um, 
And the early season, the early shows, he was scoring the full episodes. Mm -hmm. And much like me with not being able to keep up with the editing of these high production things, like he couldn't keep scoring hours of and hours of footage. Um, so we now use kind of like soundtracks and, and, and soundscapes um, to set mood. Um, mm -hmm. But any intro theme that you're hearing throughout our stuff um, was probably composed by Joe Frank. Cool, cool, cool. Tori, and then after this, guys, we'll do a one one more quick lightning round through, and then we'll throw it over to Drew to ask us a question. So, so Tori. kind of towards the beginning of our chat, everyone was talking about their different associations with the first watch and watches and first watch. Um, so my brain immediately went to the breakfast restaurant. If anyone's familiar, there's a breakfast restaurant. Oh, I know where this is going. I have an answer for this. Just yes. give me your breakfast. What's your, what's your breakfast? <laughs> uh, I don't eat it often, but when I do, um, I like to go all out. I like bacon, uh, scrambled eggs, waffles, not pancakes, not a pancake guy. Um, and hash browns. If it doesn't have hash browns, I really don't want to have crispy a conversation or about just as they are. Extra crispy. Extra crispy. Yeah. You put stuff on top, you get them smothered and uh, hot sauce. Hot sauce. Yeah. All right. Hot sauce. You got to wake up, right? Yeah. There you go. Hot sauce or all ketchup right, on right, your guys. eggs. That's my reaction. <laughs> uh, hot sauce for sure. Okay. I'm not. Yeah, I'm not a ketchup guy. Like I'll have it if it's there, but uh, it's just it's cold. Anthony. Um. So in honor of our missing member, the window liquor. Uh, I noticed you had uh, stogies and whiskey. So what's your whiskey of choice? Uh, something double barreled aged uh, is going to be it. Um, there's a, oh, I forget the name of it right now, but yeah, the more numbers it has double, triple aged or whatnot. <laughs> the, the better for me. All, all the age. <laughs> all the age. All the yes. age. <laughs> well, my whiskey old as hell. You mentioned Ireland? comic books. Um, and I think you said you're, your favorite number one? You said you collect number ones, right? Yeah. Would you, did you say your favorite number one that you have? Yeah, the nineteen ninety X Men. This, this um, doesn't count. They re redid the number. Okay. Yeah. All right. I'm just. Yeah. Right. Okay. And I think give you're me struggling a, with the concept of lightning round. This will not count either. My my other favorite though, my other favorite is the number one of the the Miles Morales Spider Man issue, and I have it both in opened and in the little. Uh, I have it sealed in the little okay. sleeve bag. Okay. If it, it doesn't, doesn't count, count the, give me your favorite. Yeah, you, need to, you, you need to answer. You need to ask a question. Give me your favorite question. character. Favorite character in any genre. Oh, gosh, this is supposed to be the lightning round, but you're going to make me think. In any genre. Uh, He's the one that asks, what's your favorite movie? <laughs> Just trying to. <laughs> he done broke the lightning round already. Uh, <laughs> you know, I'm a filmmaker I'm has their go. favorite movie. That's why I asked him. I know that. <laughs> Yeah, we knew it was a softball. We got it. That's what Tori was saying. <laughs> um, I'm going to go with, even though he's not my favorite X-Men, I'm going to go with Magneto. I think he's a really fascinating guy and not always right, not always wrong. Right. And it's a really, really interesting character to write. And I think Ian, um, uh, no, no, Mikkel, no, no, Ian McKellen uh, yeah. Yeah, did a great job that playing him and. Yeah, that's funny because like I was going through my comic books because you said it and this is one of my favorite comic books. It's yes. uh, Magneto Testament. He's yep. he had a, it was a five run with Marvel Knights about Magneto's backstory. One of my favorites that I've read. So good. Yeah, so good. 
Yeah, the there's there's a lot of back and forth in Magneto's backstory. Um, uh, just depends on whether or not they want Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver to be mutants or not that particular week. Right. <laughs> Jamie, lightning round question. Uh, okay, so what is the character class that you least like having in the party when you were DMing, and why is it Rogue? Um, monk. Oh, it's Monk. <laughs> monk. It's I. Stunning strike I is that. so ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I. All you monks out there, I get why you like it. More power to you as a DM. There's nothing That's more good frustrating. <laughs> good answer, Tori. Favorite Wrap Pokemon. Favorite Pokemon Snorlax. I specifically collect Snorlax, and uh, yeah. I Have love you it. seen the this nice. at Target? That's like thirty dollars with the squishiest pillow. That's like this big. Ugh. Yep. Yep. It's it's it very much fits the Hobbit vibe too. It's like <laughs> if I had to be a Pokemon, I would be a Snorlax. Well, I'd also be a Hobbit. So I just want to sleep and eat. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Uh, I think there's a third activity you can work into that. All right, Drew. Uh, qu question <laughs> for the cast. Okay, so what is your favorite dump stat to play? Oh, and very nice. Maybe a very quick nice. example of how you've how you've brought that dump st stat to light in a fun uh, either role play or combat moment. Very nice, Anthony. So when you say like it's a stat, I've. Uh, Put it at the what, bottom. Like a stat that's I'm, low that you I enjoy playing. Mm. Okay. And like I enjoy playing yeah. that stat when it's low. Okay. I, 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 yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, 50% of the cast will be able to answer this question well, and they will be the first and last people. The two guys in the middle, <laughs> we'll see how they do. What? <laughs> um, I think I tend to like dumping charisma like and that being the one kind of you can that has you can do that in a lot of different ways um you can do that just as an, an appearance you can do that in personality you can do that um so i i think that one really kind of gives you a lot of uh story liberty or character liberty with that so i i think that one's the kind of the funnest one to really kind of play with um uh, as far as just it being naturally low as a part of the character Listen, I, I don't know enough. I'm dumping Ant. Um, my character is about he's about the business. He, I don't. Need, I don't know enough. I'm dumping Ant. I'm dumping it. It's like it's the walk away mic drop statement. Unintentionally, <laughs> I don't know enough. I'm dumping Ant. Dumping it. Next player. <laughs> you telling me I got to pick a character and what stats does he need? Does he need dexterity? Yes. Does he need strength? Yes. Does people need to like him? Charisma? Yes. Does he need to be smart? Nope. Not at all. He doesn't have to be smart at all. If I've got the rest Ryan's of that, character is like three steps away from Ogre now. on Revenge of the Nerds, for the record. <laughs> for the record. I'm just saying. Right. Jamie. Uh, I, I take it back. Great fucking answer, Harley. Not intentionally, <laughs> but great answer. <laughs> I, I too was going to say charisma because I played my character just like a total douche. Uh, and that's, that's true. Very, very much in line with my stats. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Very, 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 very true. Tori? Um, I had to pull up some of my character sheets because I couldn't think of anything in particular and hope, was hoping there was something more interesting, but I um, primarily play casters and just strength just ended up being the dump stat. But um, in thinking of how that's really come into play, I think is just avoiding using it at all to where no one knows. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. You hide yeah. it. Yeah. Be really that. intimidating from very far away. 
And, and casters don't need strength until all of a sudden you go up against a beholder and they turn your magic off. Uh, you have to like or, pull walls. Yeah, walls. Or you're asked to climb <laughs> the rope and jump off. Which uh, has happened. Um, uh, and was a really a, a, a peer pressure moment. It was completely unnecessary. He didn't want to. the hallmarks of all. our shows. <laughs> yeah, no, you guys bullied the shit out of him. Um <laughs> So, you know, it's toxic, but what are you going to do? Like, I don't get to play a ton. I've gotten to play two characters, I think, in the last. And both of them were low wisdom guys. Um, uh, One was a monk that I was playing as a fantasy flat earther. uh, And another one uh, was an ex-military fey warlock. Uh, mm-hmm. who was in the closet about being a fey warlock um, <laughs> and played it all off that his spear was magical, except yeah. for the whole magical girl transformation sequence and all the glitter that he was constantly surrounded by. But both of them extremely gullible. Um, <laughs> and uh, I, I like there, there is a um, not dumb, but gullible uh, shithead uh, that, that I like out of a good low wisdom, out of a low wisdom character. Um, but I, and charisma has traditionally been, I think the, the, longest running dump stat for most characters and i think and i don't know i haven't done the the cross i haven't dove enough back into 3.5 or looked at four to see when this advent really happened from a stat bonus but tying charisma to certain casting stats and as a as a force of will concept i think is probably one of the better developments since second edition um, that that they've managed to do from a game design standpoint well, i so, love having um, stupid high charisma and then just as a role player not being super charismatic <laughs> and just having just doing checks that are just like i guess they're so confused that they are into it <laughs> i've received that we, so there, many times <laughs> there there are people out there uh we've all met some of them that are uh just incredibly magnetic but thoroughly unfucking likable um <laughs> so you can definitely play that person that just has that force of personality like they like I think charisma is probably because it is so much it is typically uh, seen as as an aspect of personality or looks the easiest w- stat to role play just kind of off the off the rip um because it's I mean it, which puts it in a really weird place stat wise I, I think it's um I, I think really I don't know I, I think long term it's one that I would like to see kind of wither away as a stat and become more of just a role playing aspect um because I do think it Put, sets up some some weird scenarios from an overall design standpoint, but um, I doubt they're going to drop uh, drop the traditional stat spread anytime soon. Well, it's no that matter. age old thing of well, you're not going to make me do a backflip in real life. I can just roll for it. So why am I yeah. having to convince you in real life? Shouldn't I just be able to roll for it? Well, so, I, I see that argument. And look for for characters in the game. Like, look, I don't make somebody in a home game. I don't make somebody try and make a convincing argument before they right. they do a persuasion check or an intimidation check. I do on the show because well. I know it's going to produce <laughs> yep. some ridiculous shit. I mean, yep. I, let's be honest. Like I, I, you know, there's a big difference between hey, what you have to do in in the game and what what you can do. And if it is a home game situation and somebody really busts out with some, you know, uh, with a soliloquy that is inspiring, then that's that's what advantage is there for. That's what inspiration is there for. But. Okay, guys, we're going to wrap it up. Drew, thank you so much for your time and, and for, uh, for, for really answering the broad spread of questions and letting us pick apart every little thing. That's, I mean, look, guys, for a future, if you come on the show and you've got a shelf behind <laughs> you, we're going to talk about that shelf. We are going to talk about that shelf. <laughs> mm-hmm. So just be, just be prepared at any, at any given time. 
Uh, we, we absolutely appreciate it. Thank you so much for joining us. Everybody in chat, thanks for, for coming in. As always, hope you enjoyed the show. Make stream end now.